What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the House Call Podcast. My name is Matt. I'm here with Taylor, and we are introducing the Bush League segment to the House Call Podcast. This is what we're going to call our MLB episodes from now on. We're going to call it the Bush League. And today on the Bush League, we are going to be talking about who can beat Houston in a seven-game series because there's there's it's it's frustrating watching the Houston Astros at this point because they're so good. But first, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that's Liquid IV. Go get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code at the checkout. That's 25% off anything you order and use the promo code the underscore house underscore call underscore podcast at liquidiv.com. So today we wanted to talk about something that not only me and Taylor have been wondering, but just about everyone in the baseball world has been wondering as well. And that is, who the hell is going to beat Houston in a seven-game series this year? Because the Astros look like a juggernaut, man. They ran through the playoffs last year. They swept Seattle in the first round, three-game sweep. They swept the Yankees in a four-game sweep in the ALCS. And then they went six with Philly in the World Series. But, I mean, 11-2 and two in the playoffs is ridiculous. And, you know, they lost the AL Cy Young award winner in Justin Verlander. But they certainly aren't lacking pitching. They still have five really good starters and a really good bullpen. They added a former AL MVP in Jose Abreu, which we've talked about on previous episodes, which is absolutely insane to add to their already insane lineup. They've re-signed a lot of their bullpen pieces who were historically great last year in the playoffs out of the pen. Their, their team is just complete, man. Their offense, they, they have a perfect balance of speed, contact, power. They got lefties, righties, situational hitting, clutch hitting, base running. They got a great defense. They got gold glove winners on their defense. You got great pitching and starters and bullpen. You got a great manager and just Dusty Baker. This team is just going to be very hard to beat. So we want to talk about it, man. Who can beat them in a seven game series next year? And Taylor, I'll start with you, man. I've got a few teams in mind. Let, give me give me one of the teams you got in mind as far as teams who can who can beat the Astros next year in a seven game series. Oh, boy. Yeah, these Astros, man. Uh, they are frightening. Um, yeah, I guess to go go through the Astros going into this year uh, real quick, give a quick overview here. Um, they didn't lose much in the offseason. They lost Vasquez and, and uh, Mancini, who are just guys they picked up at the trade deadline last year. Uh, Gurriel's almost definitely not coming back. And they also lost the Lednes Diaz, who was one of their kind of utility pieces. But instead of Gurriel, now they've got Jose Abreu in the lineup, who is obviously an upgrade, especially given how bad Yuli was last year. Um, and they re-signed Michael Brantley. And so they're going into the season with a healthy Michael, Michael Brantley. They lost Verlander, but man, they have a lot to replace him. And actually, if you're looking, if we're, if we're talking about a seven game playoff series, Verlander isn't even that good in the playoffs. He had like a 5.8, I think, ERA last year in the playoffs. So Historically bad in the World Series. Yeah, exactly. So like if we're talking playoffs, that's not that's almost more of a game for him uh, going forward. There are some questions about the Astros lineup still. Um, the catcher position is still kind of a question mark. Uh, you know, they have right now they have the second lowest projected war for the catching position going into 2023, which is actually kind of a surprise. And they also don't have a whole lot of depth on their bench. Their bench is not the strongest right now, which come playoff time is kind of a factor, especially when you have injury prone guys like Brantley and uh, Jordan Alvarez. Um, we don't quite know what Pena we're going to get next year either. Are we going to get World Series MVP Pena? Or are we going to get regular season Pena? Because he was pretty good in the regular season, but, you know, his on-base percentage was like 289. Uh, he did hit 22 home runs, so there was a lot of mixed results there. But obviously, he's great with the glove. 
Um, but man, they still got that pitching depth, even without Verlander. And they've got Hunter Brown coming up, who might be Verlander 2.0. Who knows? But yeah, going into the first team that I'm going to talk about, I think this team is probably the best matchup for the Astros for a seven-game series. And ironically, it's the one that Justin Verlander is now on. It's the New York Mets. Um, I think these guys have the best shot to compete with the Astros in seven games, uh, mostly because of their, their pitching. They've got absolute beasts on the top end of, of that rotation. Verlander, Scherzer, they've got Carrasco, and they've got Kodai Senga, who's a little bit of an unknown quantity right now, but I mean, people are saying he's got Shohei Otani stuff. So we'll, we'll see if, we'll see if that comes through. Uh, the Mets have a little bit less bullpen depth, I think, than the Astros. I think I would give the Astros the edge on the bullpen just because of depth. But the Mets make up some ground there because they've got the absolutely electric Edwin Diaz on the back end, uh, who is lights out last year. They also have Ottavino, who, you know, isn't quite his dominant as dominant as he was a couple years ago, but he's still a very, very good reliever. In terms of the lineup between the Mets and the Astros, I think it's really close. Um, I think you're going to see offensive output be really similar for these two teams, but I do think the Mets actually have a little bit of an edge on depth with Darren Ruff, Guillaume, and Tommy Pham on the bench. These are major league players they have on the bench that are ready to come in in case of injury. Uh, Ruff is a great, uh, great lefty masher, so you'll probably see him pinch hit against lefties in the playoffs. So I think the Mets actually have a li little bit of an advantage there. Um, it was also really fun to examine what a game one would be between these two teams, uh, and it would be Justin Verlander versus Framber Valdez. Uh, and in a game like this, if you're the Mets, you know, you got to put the ball in play, especially without the shift and Framber being a ground baller. Like if you're if you're putting the ball in play and hitting it hard, like those balls are going to find holes. And honestly, they've got guys that can do that. They've got the Jeff McNeils who are going to hit the hit the ball hard all over the field. He's gone on record saying he's a little bit more of a pull hitter. So he's really excited for the shift to be over because he can return more to his his natural hitting style. And for the Astros, man, it's like they've got to grind down these starters like Verlander and Scherzer, these older guys and get into the bullpen since I do think they're, the Mets bullpen has a little bit less depth. Uh, and then you go into these other games and you know, you got Scherzer versus either Christian Javier or McCullers, like that's going to be a tight matchup. But then I think the real key here is what are we getting from Kodai Senga? Because he's potentially a game three starter and we know those game threes are big, big swing games and he'd be going either against Javier or McCullers. So I kind of think if the Mets can get out of Kodai Senga what they hope they can, I think they could take the Astros on in a seven-game series. And I think Kodai Senga is going to be that swing man that, that determines who would win that series. Listen, they've spent so much money that, you know, it's for them, it's, it's World Series or bust at this point. And if you get to the World Series, it's more likely than not, you're probably going to be facing the Astros based on what we've seen over the last five or six seasons in baseball and like you said that rotation the combination of the rotation the combination of the the bullpen that they have the, the at least the back end of the bullpen that they have and the the potential for their offense you got pete alonzo you still got lindor out there you got brandon nimmo starling Marte. like they're loaded uh one more thing comparing these pitching rotations too all of the mets starters are pretty old uh kodai senga's 30 then you got quintana at 34 carrasco at 35 Scherzer at 38 and Verlander at 40. And you look at the Astros starting rotation, they're all under 30 years old. 
so I don't like it's kind of silly to compare them in that way, but I think that might actually be a factor going into the playoffs over 162. Like these older guys, you know, they've defied age up to this point, especially Verlander and especially Scherzer more than anyone else in the league. But how much longer is that going to go for? It's going to be interesting for the Mets, but I'm going to transition to listen, I'm you know, call me a predictable and call me, you know, a, a homer, but I'm going to transition to that other team in New York, the team that everybody wants to talk about. Okay. And that's the Yankees. Okay. That's, that's the, that's the, one of the teams that I think could beat the Astros next year in a seven game series. And listen, man, they, they have to be talked about as a main threat. I'm not just talking about them because I'm a Yankees fan. Okay. Listen, I, I know that they were swept last year in the ALCS. Okay. I watched the series. You don't have to remind me. You don't have to bring it up. Okay. I don't want to talk about it, even though I'm about to talk about it. Okay. But listen, they were in the ALCS. Okay. So they were obviously the biggest threat right away to the Astros not getting out of the American League. Now, granted that they got swept, were they that big of a threat? I don't know. But three out of those four games, that they played against Houston were within two runs and two of them were one run games. So three out of four of those games could have went either way. And if you watch that game three, which actually happened to be a five to zero win from Houston, a bunch of really weird things that never happened in that game happened. And that game could have easily gone either way too. So it was a bunch of games that could have gone either way. Now, that sounds like a bunch of excuses and that's about 90% true. That's a, that is a bunch of excuses that I'm giving out right there, but there is some fact to it, okay? And then the Yankees as well, this off season, they've improved their staff. We talked about it previously. They went and got Carlos Rodon, okay? And he's a number two pitcher behind Garrett Cole. You could argue that you have the most two devastating strikeout pitchers in baseball on the same team and they're one and two in the rotation. And then you've got Nestor Cortez, who if you would have you know pitched the, uh, uh, more innings. He could have been a Cy Young candidate last year. Severino, who's been a Cy Young candidate, and then Frankie Montas. So if we can get him healthy as a number five starter, would be tremendous as a number five starter. They've also improved their defense this offseason. We're going to get a full season of Harrison Bader, which we didn't get until the playoffs last year. And center field defense was one of the only weak spots of the Yankees defense last year. They had, according to DRS, uh, defensive run save. They had the best defense in baseball last year as far as defensive run save. Harrison Bader is going to help out tremendously there. And then the shortstop position is going to get better defensively, assuming Isaiah kiner Falefa is not there anymore. I don't care who you put in there, one of the young guys, if it's Peraza, if it's Got Volpe, it. if it's if it's, you know, Oswaldo Cabrera, I don't care who it is. You're going to put them in and they're going to be better defensively than, than you know, Isaiah Connor Falefa was. So, I mean, listen, those two spots alone are two of the most, you know, important defensive spots in baseball and they're going to make the team better. And listen, it's going to come down to if, like I said, those young players, the Oswald Peraza, the Oswaldo Cabrera, and if Anthony Volpe comes up this year, if they can produce. And then it's also going to come down to if some of the veterans who struggled last year, like Aaron Hicks and Josh Donaldson can bounce back. And, you know, you look at Giancarlo Stanton, he had one of the worst years of his career last year. Can he have, can he bounce back? So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And it's, listen, we all know it's going to come down to if the Yankees can hit next year. Cause last year they scored four runs in the first three games combined and the series was over. Okay. Everyone but Bader and Rizzo was terrible last year in the playoffs. Aaron Judge was horrible. Stanton was horrible. Glaber Torres was horrible. Everyone in that lineup besides Bader and Rizzo was bad. So the Astros should certainly be be the favorites to win the World Series, especially in the American League. I'm not denying that. But the Yankees should definitely be considered one of the biggest threats and definitely could be considered as far as teams who could beat them in a seven-game series because 
We saw it last year in the National League playoffs. Teams who didn't have great bullpens and who didn't really think you had great starting pitching in Philadelphia and, and the Padres ended up being in the NLCS because those offenses just got red hot and they started having you know timely pitching in the playoffs as well and timely defense in the playoffs as well. So it all comes down to who's really going to perform in the playoffs. So if the Yankees' bats can really get going, we saw the Yankees' offense the first half of last year. They were the best offense in baseball when they really got hot. But then when they cooled down, they were really, really bad. So can they get hot at the right time when it comes playoff time? But I think the Yankees got to be in there as as far as biggest threats to the Astros go. Yeah, uh, Aaron Judge, man, that that's who that's who they were missing in the playoffs last year. Um, and the only and it it feels really, really um, greedy for me to say that because he carried the team during the entire regular season. But that's also a big reason why they didn't succeed in the postseason is because he wasn't there and that offense mm -hmm. is built around him right now. It'll be interesting because I do think the Yankees have the pitching to go up against the Astros. I think they, they can prevent the Astros from scoring runs for the most part. I still have questions about whether the offense can score against the Astros pitching if Aaron Judge is not at his best. If he's at his best, Yankees are winning that, no doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, but if he's not, are these other guys going to be able to support him? 100%. Yeah. And, and and like you said, it's definitely sounds greedy from a Yankees fan perspective, considering how much he literally carried the team to the playoffs last year. But you look at his playoff career, he's had a couple of good series and a couple of really good, you know, wild card games, but he hasn't been great in the playoffs throughout his playoff career. His numbers go pretty, pretty far down. He goes to under an 800 OPS in the playoffs and he's a, in the regular season, he's a, you know, not consistently over a 900 OPS. Last year, he was 1100 OPS. So we expect, we, we need more from Aaron Judge in, 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 in the playoffs, which sound like, like you said, sounds a little messed up considering how good he is in the regular season and how, you know, how historic his regular season was last year. But we're going to need more, dude. If we're going to beat the Astros, we need you to be regular season Aaron Judge. But we will transition to whatever your next team is, Taylor. What what What's your next team that you think can, can beat the Astros potentially in a seven-game series? This next team I'm going to talk about is interesting, and it is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, kind of a perennial late playoff team. They're always they're always going deep in the playoffs. Um, you know, we saw in 2017 the Astros took them down in seven games, but obviously there's a big asterisk next to that one. I'm going to have an interesting take here because as of right now, I think a lot of people think the Dodgers can compete with the Astros. I actually don't think they can. I think the Astros have the edge against them. The Dodgers have too many question marks right now. Uh, is Gavin Lux going to be able to perform at shortstop? What are we getting out of Max Muncy this year? Because last year was an absolute mess for, for the most part. He ended strongly, but the first half was one of the worst halves statistically I've seen in a long time. Uh, what are they going to get out of J.D. Martinez? We don't quite know what where he's going to be at. Is his power going to return? Is he mostly a contact hitter? Um, is he going to be plugging up that DH hole so that no one else can be in it and no one else is like rotating in those rest days? Is Trace Thompson the starting center fielder? I don't know if he's good enough to be the starting center fielder. I mean, he's shown some he's shown some flashes, but is that going to play over 162? I think the Astros actually have the edge against them here. I'm curious to hear what you think about that. I agree with you. When you get to when you get down to postseason time and you start looking at the rosters and you start looking at you know the matchups that are going to start happening. Clayton Kershaw is still one of your best pitchers, and he's known for not 
performing in the in the yeah. playoffs, you know. So and yeah. you know, it's 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 definitely gonna be interesting to see how the Dodgers season plays out because there's been so many moving parts. And you mentioned it on a previous episode. There's been so many moving parts that it makes you think they've got something in store for next offseason, maybe you know a Shohei it Otani. It's Shohei. Yeah, a, a Shohei Otani. I, and then... I have I have and I've officially put my money where my mouth is. I've officially wow. put money on Shohei to be on the Dodgers next year. Because I, I think that's what they're gearing up for, man. I think that's why you're not seeing a whole lot of bigger moves from them. Uh, this is kind of a year for them to figure out what they've got. Uh, like I said, Gavin looks at short. Uh, Miguel Vargas is going to be playing second. He's actually shifting over mm-hmm. from third base when he played in the minors to second. And um, they're going to have Muncie at third base. So they got they have a lot to figure out this year. And then I think they're going hard next year. They're going in on Shohei and they're taking whatever they can get. As far as this year goes, it's going to be interesting to see. But I think like, like both of us said, I think it's going to be next year that's going to be the year where we're going to be like, man, if they get Shohei, this is going to be this is going to be scary because they're you're adding the best the best overall player in baseball to a team that's been the best overall team in baseball over the last you know decade or so. So it's going to be really interesting. But I'll go to my next team, and my next team is a team that I think can duel it out offensively. And like I mentioned earlier, we saw in the National League playoffs, if you can get a hot offense and some timely pitching and defense, it can carry you through. And this is a team who can most definitely get hot offensively, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. This team has some of the most offensive firepower in all of baseball. Last year, they were fourth in run scored. And listen, I can I can go through the lineup. You got George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Alejandro Kirk, you brought in Dalton Varsho, you got Matt Chapman, you brought in Brandon Belt as well, who, who looks like he's probably going to play first base. You got Whit Merrifield and you got Kevin Kiermeyer as well, to who they brought in to play center field. So they improved their outfield defense a, a lot as well. You got Springer, you got Varsho, you got Kevin Kiermeyer in the outfield. And last year, they had the eighth best rotation in baseball last year. You got Alex Manoa, who's a Cy Young contender. You got Kevin Gossman, who's got that filthy splitter. And he, you know, he's, you know, borderline Cy Young caliber. And then you got Jose Barrios, who was really bad last year. But if he can turn it around, that rotation looks really good. You also brought in Chris Bassett, who's a really, really solid, who came from the Mets, who's a really, really solid number four. It could be a big pickup for them. And listen, last year, their bullpen and their defense were both in the middle of the pack, and which is where I think they'll end up this year. I think their defense will end up a little bit better than it was last year because they improved that outfield defense so much. But they definitely need some work on their bullpen. It was literally smack dab middle of the pack. They were 16th ranked in the, in the league last year. Um, and they definitely got to improve their, their their defense as well. They were 14th ranked last year in defense. So like I said, the bullpen needs work. But if I would have told you last year that the, the representatives in the National League would have been Philadelphia and San Diego, you wouldn't have believed me because you would have told me their bullpens were so bad and they didn't have anyone proven in their bullpen. But they pitched really well in the playoffs when it mattered most and not many believed they would. And I think that's the model that Toronto has got to follow this offseason. Obviously, they can make deadline moves. Obviously, they can make trades before then to bring in more bullpen reinforcements. But I think that's... As far as ceilings go in baseball, you know, teams who can be the best, I think Toronto has as high a ceiling as anyone. If everything goes right for them, they can be as good as anyone in baseball. We can see that offense carry, absolutely carry that team at times. They would have they would have been in the ALDS if their their pitchers didn't blow it for them last year in the in the wild card series against Seattle. So, um Taylor, what do you think, man? What do you think about Toronto? I think Toronto at plus twelve hundred to win the World Series in twenty twenty three is a pretty That's good, nice. pretty good bet to make. 
What is your final team that you think could potentially challenge the Astros in a seven game series? Well, Matt, I'm sure you and most other people are going to think I'm going to say the Braves or the Padres. I'm going with a dark horse team that actually did match up with them pretty well in the playoffs last year, and that's the Seattle Mariners. And I'm partly just mentioning the Mariners because they're one of my favorite teams. Uh, they're just, I love the organization. I've watched more baseball games at Safeco slash T-Mobile Park than anywhere. And I just love these guys, man. Um, ultimately, the Astros did sweep the Mariners in the ALDS. Uh, at surface level, that doesn't sound very good, but if you watched those games, you would not think there was a big difference between these teams. We saw that crazy 18 inning game between the two of them. And basically the, the other, the rest of the games were all within one or two runs. Uh, we saw the Astros come back and win one of those games very improbably. Jordan hitting a monster home run like he so often does. Uh, going into the next year, um, you know, the Mariners definitely don't stack up against them offensively. The Mariners have an okay offense. It's I would say it's slightly above average. They've got Julio Rodriguez, who is, man, he, I am so excited to watch him this year. And then, you know, they've got guys like Ty France and Cal Raleigh, and they got Teoscar Hernandez. They added Colton Wong. So they've added some big pieces and overall made their team a lot better. Their pitching is really their strength. Um, their starting rotation has only gotten better. It's actually kind of wild to look at their rotation a couple years ago, and you basically had Marco Gonzalez as your opening day <laughs> starter, and now he is their number five starter. Um, yeah, now they've got guys like George Kirby. They've got Logan Gilbert. They've got Robbie Ray. They're stacked, man. They're good. Uh, the bullpen is just as good. They've got Matt Brash, who transitioned from the rotation to the bullpen last year and really found his place. He's a great swing guy. He can get multiple innings in the bullpen. They've got Munoz on the back end, who just looks absolutely nasty. They've got some really good bullpen pieces. Um, so I think kind of like how what I said with the Yankees, like I do think they have the pitching to prevent runs from the Astros side it's whether or not they can score runs against the Astros pitching staff which I think right now I'm still going with the Astros but I think it's a lot closer than people think and you know it's the Mariners are one of those teams where if they're in it by the trade deadline I think we see them at a, at a bat and really go for it because they this fan base has been raring to go man like seeing how they reacted to these playoff games was so much fun even even getting swept by the Astros, you can tell that this organization feels like they've got a shot. And I think they do too, man. I'm so excited to watch them this year. And I really hope we see them in the playoffs again. I hope so too, man. Like like you said, the, the Mariners fans have been struggling for a long time. Like they had the all-time great regular season in 2001, and then it's been nothing for two decades. And they finally now have some hope in their franchise. And they finally now have a team that they can look at and say, man, we actually can do some damage. Like you were saying, you bring in Teoscar Hernandez, you bring in AJ Pollock as well in the outfield, you bring in Colton Wong. Like you said, that bullpen is very underrated. I know we were at the uh, a couple of Yankees in, in Mariners games and we saw Munoz pitch. That dude, I don't know how anybody hits that dude. That dude is disgusting out of the bullpen. You got Seawald, who's also a little side, you know, sidewinder out of the bullpen. Like you were saying, Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert. Like you've got some really, really good arms on that team. Like we said, it's just going to come down to who performs in the postseason. It's going to come down to can they hit the Astros yeah. staff and can they shut down the Astros and it's really really hard but if there's a team if there's you know the, the Mariners are one of those teams where they're, they're certainly capable they're certainly capable yeah. of doing that if they can get hot for a given postseason run we're uh and I think we're gonna see 
you know, the big swing man for their offense is going to be Jared Kelnick. Uh, he has obviously been, he's Oof. been bad. He's been really bad. And it's a bummer because you could tell he has an insane amount of raw talent. He just hasn't harnessed it. He had one of the hardest hit home runs for a lefty last year but it was one of his few bright spots. Um, he's obviously really good defensively. And like you said, they got Pollock, which I think is a really good move because between the two of them, I think Pollock will help take some pressure off Kalanick. Kalanick will be able to hit more against right-handed hitters. Pollock is going to platoon against the lefties and you're going to be able to hopefully take a little bit of pressure off Kalanick. But I think that position between the two of them is really going to be the determining factor of whether their offense can hang with the Astros or not because if those guys are firing on all cylinders their lineup all of a sudden looks a lot better no doubt and listen Kelnick was a was a top five prospect in baseball at one point so if he can live up to those expectations and AJ Pollock he was he's been a really solid hitter in the league for a lot of years and last year he wasn't what he normally was but he's been a he's been a really good player in the MLB for a long time so if he can you know reclaim some of that magic that he once had as a as a really good MLB player then I could see it with the Mariners. I could I could definitely see it. I could see them really, really competing in a seven-game series versus Astros. And we saw it. Listen, if, if you know, Robbie Ray doesn't throw a, a, a dick-high fastball to Jordan Alvarez after he threw one right before that to Why Jordan Alvarez. Why they put in Robbie Ray? I don't know. It doesn't, make any, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, Listen, I, know, and I, then he, I know you don't want the, the righty-lefty matchup with Seawald, but he's also, like, one of your best relievers. Give him a shot. They didn't have anybody else. It's like, give give your reliever a shot rather than putting your starter in a position that he hasn't been in. And I'm pretty sure he was struggling pretty hard in, in the series before that. He was. And listen, Robbie Ray, you're facing the best left-handed hitter in baseball. Oh. And you throw him a first pitch fastball right down the middle. And he fouls it off. You got away with it. You yeah. got away with the first pitch fastball right down the middle. Don't throw it again. Don't do it. Do not throw that pitch no. again. And what does he do? He throws it even more down the middle the next time. And Jordan hits it literally where the, the the Houston Rockets is the basketball team in Houston. He hits it to wherever they play. He hit a, he hit an Apollo 13 missile yep. out of the out of the stadium. Like that's exactly what's going to happen. So if the Mariners don't make stupid mistakes like that again, and you know they come up with one clutch hit in 17 18 innings in you know an, another game like we might be talking about the Mariners in the ALCS or potentially in the World Series which would be insane for you know yeah. for us to talk about that with the Mariners because we literally have never talked about with that that with the Mariners ever before but I'll transition I, I got my last team and this one right here is a deep sleeper Okay, this is a very deep sleeper. So so deep of a sleep, you might be in a coma. It's that deep of a sleeper, okay? And it's in the same division as both the Astros and the Mariners, okay? And I'm not talking about the team that has Shohei Otani or Mike Trout on it. I'm talking the about the Texas... Yeah, definitely <laughs> not the Athletics. <laughs> definitely not the Athletics. I'm talking about the only team who we haven't mentioned yet. It's the Texas Rangers, a very okay. deep sleeper in the AL West. Listen, they've taken some high-risk, high-reward swings on players, okay? They're they're taking some full-on knockout punch-type swings where if they connect, they could knock somebody out. But if they miss, they could get knocked out because a lot of these swings are very high-risk, high-reward. Obviously, Jacob deGrom, five years, $185 million over the offseason. Listen, if he works out for you, you have the best pitcher in baseball for five years. You have him. But if he doesn't work out, you have someone who you literally cannot play because he's on the IL because he gets hurt a lot. You have Nathan Yavaldi, who's a really solid number two who could come in and, you know, he's got really, really good stuff. You could see him perform really, really well in Texas, I believe. 
you know, you still got Martin Perez, who had a really solid year. The first year of his career, he was ever really solid. You've got John Gray, who was pretty solid for them last year as well. And they picked up Jake Odorizzi and Andrew Haney, who I'm not too fond of. Um, but still, that's some solid depth that you got in your rotation now. And that's the one place they were really, really struggling last year. They had the fifth worst starting rotation ERA in all of baseball last year. So, and you pair that with a middle of the pack bullpen ERA last year. So that definitely needs some work as well. And they haven't done much to address the bullpen ERA, which obviously, you know, they need to address. But listen, this is a team that if they can figure it out, and like I said, this is a ceiling play. If you want a really deep sleeper, and if you're if you're betting, like Taylor was saying, you could bet, you know, Toronto plus 1,200, you could probably bet the Rangers at a much, much higher number and get a similar ceiling that you're going to get to the Toronto Blue Jays. Currently plus 3,500, and you know what I well, just remembered? What's that? On December 3rd, I got the Rangers at plus 6,000. Was that before they signed DeGrom? It was right after. Before. It was the day after they signed DeGrom. After they signed him? <laughs> but still, I mean, the yeah. the I'm surprised it was even that high the, the, the day after they signed DeGrom. But, yeah, that's why I um, pulled the trigger immediately. So I was like, man, this is going to go way down. because, And especially because oh, yeah. like when you know they're willing to take that risk on DeGrom, they're basically willing to risk anything. That's like the highest risk move you could possibly make is signing DeGrom to a deal like that. So it's like, man, if they're willing to do that, they're willing to do basically anything to win the World basically, Series or at least be like in the mix over the next couple of years. So I'm probably yep, going to be taking them long odds over the next couple of years. 100%. And I mean, they listen, like you said, if, if they sign a 34-year-old pitcher who's had tons of arm issues to the kind of contract they sign him to, like they're willing to go all in. And, you know, last last year they had some really bad luck and it's partially bad luck and it's partially because they weren't great in the bullpen and they weren't great defensively, but they were 15 and 35 in one run games last year, which is, you know, most teams are hovering around 500 and they're, you know, one, basically they, they lose, you know, two out of every three games that were one run games last year. So that's a lot of luck. You see it with a lot of sports, with, with a lot of different sports, you know, one, you see it with one score games and in, in basketball and, and, and football, a lot of the time, those are kind of just fluky things that one year you might have an unlucky year. And then the next year you might have a, a, a little bit of a lucky year and one year you're going to break even, you know, so they're going to get better in those one run games. And Listen, they have one of the best middle infields in baseball. They paid one of the best middle infields in baseball, Corey Seager and, and Marcus Simeon. And, you know, last year they didn't have that great of a year. They can be a lot better, and they were still one of the best middle infield duos in baseball. You got Nathaniel Lowe, who was in the AL batting title race last year. He hit 27 homers. He had an awesome year. He's a really good hitter. You got Adelise Garcia, who you can pencil in for 30 home runs, 100-ish RBIs every year. And you got the sixth-ranked farm system in baseball. So the, the young guys can come in and help when necessary or – you know, you can you can trade some of those young guys for more proven pieces, whether it be in the rotation, whether it be another position player, whether it be another bullpen piece. So listen, like I said, this is a deep sleeper, okay? But we say, you know, if, if I would have told you, again, if I would have told you last year that, you know, some of the teams having success in the playoffs were going to have success in the playoffs, you might not have believed me. And, you know, they didn't have great regular season pitching or defense in the playoffs last year, but neither did San Diego or neither did Philadelphia. And they had elite offense in the in the playoffs and they had really solid pitching and defense in the playoffs so that's what it takes so i think if the rangers could get to the playoffs that means the rangers have had success going up into the playoffs so if they can get there they most certainly can compete because that means most of the things that they will have tried will have gone right for the rangers so i see i see the rangers being a a, a potential threat for for the astros in a seven game series 
Yeah, to juxtapose, um, like you mentioned earlier, the, the Rangers' horrible record in one-run games, their division opponent, who we just talked about, the Mariners, uh, they went 36-24 and 24 in one run and extra inning games, and that does make a huge difference. I mean, and, you know, most playoff games are going to be tight games, so you've got to have a team that's going to be able to perform in those tight games. The Rangers, man, they could be dangerous. You, you never know. Listen, they're, they're a high upside team. You you put them in the playoffs with that with you know with that offense and you know with Jacob Degrom you know you might get a you you know you put Jacob Degrom as your game one starter you probably gonna get a game one out of that you know so if you get game one against the Houston Astros team you never know what could happen so you know they they might be able to wreak some havoc when it comes to playoff time because they've got a lot of upside but they certainly have a lot of downside because of the injury concerns and the you know some of the inconsistent play that they've had but that's gonna do it for us today on the House Call podcast thank you guys so much for watching. But again, shout out to our sponsor, Liquid IV. Go get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code at the checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code, the underscore house, underscore call, underscore podcast at liquidiv.com. We are also sponsored by StubHub. No matter the event, StubHub has the tickets for you. StubHub Sports Concert theater tickets as low as $6. We got the World Baseball Classic coming up. If you want to go to Japan at the World Baseball Classic, go to StubHub, okay? Get your tickets at StubHub. We also got spring training coming up. If you want to go to spring training, you got a desire to go to Arizona or Florida, go get your spring training tickets at StubHub. And also, if you have a sports fan in your life or you are the sports fan in your life, then you need a good memorabilia site to get your sports merchandise. Sportsmemorabilia.com is the one-stop shop to get all your authentic sporting merchandise. I know I got Taylor's Christmas gift on sports sportingmerchandise.com so go get you some good sportingmerchandise.com uh, sporting merchandise at sportingmerchandise.com and we are also sponsored by Fubo TV Fubo TV is the world's only sport focused live streaming service with top leagues and teams plus popular shows movies and news for the entire household no hidden fees get a free trial there's bonus uh, available plans I personally have used Fubo I loved it a lot of good channels you can watch a lot of sports I watch a lot of football basketball baseball college football college basketball on there as well don't forget to like comment subscribe we appreciate all of your feedback tell us what we got right tell us what teams you think could possibly beat the astros in a seven game series i know there's a couple that we left out we mentioned them briefly but there's a couple that you certainly could add in there be sure to follow us on all social media platforms as well at the house call podcast instagram tiktok youtube spotify twitter go get our merch on our website www.thehousecall.com you can also meet the crew at the website you, we also got blogs up on the website. We're posting a lot more blogs on uh, www.thehousecall.com as well. And that's going to be it for us. Peace.